another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. American Rare Earths is an Australian company that's in the right place at the right time with the right commodity. It has two of the potentially largest rare earths projects in North America and is even involved in some of the United States government supported R&D projects to develop a domestic supply chain. One of these even involves using bacteria to extract these valuable minerals. To find out more about American Rare Earths, which trades as ARR on the ASX, I'm happy to welcome its MD and CEO, Chris Gibbs, to the Unicorns podcast today. G'day, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Justin. It's uh, great to be here. So, your Australian listed, but American Rare Earths projects are in the United States. So can you tell us about the company's projects and how you came to have these huge assets? You know, definitely, uh, Justin. No, look, this is an exciting time. American Rare Earths in the right place at the right time. And as you mentioned, we've got these uh, major projects in the United States. And and look, American Rare Earths started out yeah, back in uh, 2019, the company was uh, called you know, Broken Hill Prospecting, or yeah, BHP, I call it. <laughs> and, <laughs> Wish it was worth uh, that much. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but look, the, the founders at the time um, had just recently split out where there was a company formed called Cobalt Blue, which is also on the ASX. Um, but at that time, you know, the leaders um, had some foresight because they're looking at where to next really take the business. And uh, some of the folks had previously worked in the United States and had known of some potential assets because of their days in uranium. And we're also looking at the next major industries, which the rare earths is particularly with the the shortage and the projections. But back in 2019, before a lot of people got onto the rare earth bandwagon, um, the, the leaders came across yeah, this property in the United States called the La Paz Project and bought that into the portfolio and, and then really renamed and rebranded the company and yeah, transformed the company to be focused on rare earths and uh, created, yeah, yeah, changed the name to American Rare Earths and uh, also uh, at that time went and uh, in 2020 acquired a, another project. Um, they're called the, uh, the Hallett Creek Project which at the time was a very small, you know, just a small postage stamp of claims. Now, since you know, becoming American Rare Earths, um, we've uh, done a whole series of drilling at both the La Paz Project in Arizona and also the Hallett Creek Project in Wyoming. And you know, at uh, La Paz, there is a 170 million tonne dual resource of uh, you know, you know, essentially, you know, for rare earth elements, which we're going after, which is neodymium and prosodymium. And uh, then uh, in uh, yeah, earlier this year, we completed a whole series of drill campaigns and announced a, uh, a maiden jork resource for the Hallett Creek project, which is based in Wyoming. And this project is a monster, Justin. It's, it's got a jork resource of 1.43 billion tonnes um, and... Uh, 
it's it's got consistent grade, open at depth, and we've only drilled 25%. But now look, it's it started out as an Australian company, but the assets are in the United States, and that's really the the two major projects. Now we're looking, yeah, we've got other projects there, and we're also actively looking for. So you've worked extensively in North America. So maybe if you could outline to us, Chris, your your experience in the mining sector and then tell us what attracted you to this company and why your background aligns to the direction of the board. Sure. Justin, you know, I started out actually in the titanium dioxide industry um, in, yeah, well, out in uh, Bunbury, Western Australia, and then went from there to the UK um, to one of their processing facilities and then ended up in Baltimore, Maryland um, and ended up running a titanium dioxide uh, processing facility um, where we were bringing in synthetic rutile and mineral sands and it was really downstream processing um, to produce titanium dioxide products sold into the market in the US. Um, And from there, I uh, joined... Placid, yeah, came back to Australia, joined Placid Dome, um, which was yeah, immediately taken over by Barrick Gold. Um, and I spent a number of years with Barrick um, in a uh, essentially a, an internal consulting type role, um, a lot of work in continuous improvement. But then from there, joined a, uh, yeah, after a number of years, I joined a company then based in Denver called the Thompson Creek Metals Company. And uh, they were focused in the metals industry. Um, mines, yeah, yeah, molybdenum mines um, in the United States and Canada. And uh, I was in a corporate head office role, but then ended up running you know, one of their largest well, mines in uh, northern British Columbia. It's a large molybdenum mine producing about you know, 50,000 tonnes through a processing plant there on a daily basis. Um, and, uh, yeah, was running that mine and then went on to run their... Uh, a metallurgical facility in Pittsburgh um, in the United States. And then, yeah, <laughs> what happens in this industry, Justin, there's, there's always takeovers. So then I joined uh, yeah, Centera Gold yeah, as they took over Thompson Creek Metals. And from Centera Gold, then went and joined a, uh, a company called uh, um, yeah, Argonaut Gold to help build a, a new gold mine in, in Ontario. And and yeah, so you've still got your Aussie accent. <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing is, after working all this time away, I, I still have the Aussie accent. But I was speaking to uh, an American lawyer living in Australia, and he says, "Chris, you're the only guy I know that yeah, has an Aussie accent, but says these words which are not Aussie." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've you've been around the block. Uh, a few times by that summary, you've got a lot of experience there. So let's let's talk about Halleck Creek. You've mentioned that earlier. So what's happening there in terms of the resource and further exploration and the preliminary economy assessment? Sounds like uh, there's a lot of stuff happening up there in Wyoming. There is a lot of stuff. The first thing we needed to prove out was, yeah, is there a resource? Um, because we'd done a lot of field work and and that's why we you know, did a whole series of drilling you know, last year. And that's when we came out uh, you know, earlier this year with this significant jork resource. And so we're, we are planning on going back doing more drilling because we've only drilled 25% of the area. 
um, which is where we've come out with this huge and massive JORC resource. Um, and so, but we are going out to do what's called resource drilling to really firm up and convert more resources in you know, so that we can you know, prove up these economics. Um, but uh, part of the drilling we're also doing is to uh, also test the extent of this deposit because at the moment it goes down to 175 metres is the deepest hole we've drilled and we've got mineralisation all the way down from surface to depth. And so we're super excited to even put a hole in very deep to see how deep this thing goes. But it's also open at width. So we're going to be uh, testing some other areas you know, within the, the claims footprint where uh, we've got great surface samples. So, yeah, this thing is just, just huge. Um, so we're, we're testing. We'll be doing that drilling. Um, we're also doing metallurgical test work right now too, Justin, which mm. um, is some of those next phases and so we're midway through that metallurgical test work. Maybe explain what that is, Chris. In mining, the, the first thing you need to do is, number one, prove you've got a resource. And then yeah, the, the second thing is, can you actually mine and process and get that resource mm. out of the ground economically? Yes. And so, uh, yeah, all of this is about you know, then the, the minerals themselves. Can you separate out the, the, the minerals that you're wanting to uh, you get access to? And, and yeah, the, the minerals we're going after here are the minerals called uh, neodymium, prasodymium, and you know, terbium, and dysprosium, and all these names we can't pronounce. You're a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And but the metallurgy piece is always the key because although you might have the resource in the ground, is it encapsulated into these rocks, or can you separate it out? And and then to separate it, what sort of technology do you need to use what sort of you know, for example acids or acids or what sort of uh, you know, reagents or chemicals do you need to separate these yeah you know, what sort of grinding do you need to do like how hard is this ore um, is the material encapsulated and can it be separated out because what you're trying to do is yeah in, in basic terms dig it out of the ground crush it, grind it, um, and, and really separate out these elements and do that economically and then get them off to market. And so have those results been positive? They've been extremely positive, and uh, that's that's what we're excited about, uh, and that really uh, yeah, helps us yeah, set up here to then really go on to pull together the economics for the project. So, yeah, it, it's going through all these steps, Justin, which is first off you do the, uh, number one, have you got a resource? And number two, yeah, do your, your, your various testing. And and then right now we're uh, putting together the economics as to, uh, yeah, for this project. So uh, it's, yeah, super exciting. Uranium and thorium are both radioactive materials. So what makes Hallett Creek's levels so special when compared to the wider rare earths sector? Yeah, in the uh, the, the rare earth game, um, those minerals I talked about also have their close cousins and their mm. close cousins, <laughs> which you find at the same time, can be some nasty you know, type. You know, uh, well, they're not necessarily nasty, but you just need to be able to you know, deal with them. got to be careful, like yes. Thorium and uranium. Um, and, and look, uranium... You know, if you've got enough of it, you can have a uranium mine. That's, that's a good outcome. But um, uranium and thorium, you do need to uh, you know, treat. 
um, and you do have levels of uh, because they're radioactive materials. And so it can, you know, it has two series of problems. One, it's an environmental challenge because you need to dispose of those and in a safe and effective manner and obviously the, the safety component. Um, now we're blessed because both you know, of the, you know, our, our deposits there, Hallett Creek and La Paz, have extremely low thorium and uh, uranium levels. The threshold is what's you know, 500 parts per million. Mm. Our, our levels are down to like 7 and you know, 30. So it's way down, you know, essentially the same as nearly crustal abundance, which you, you normally find out there just yeah, at, at the beach, for example. So we've got very low levels. And, and what that means is it means that we can keep down our processing costs. You know, we don't have to get into complicated processing or even issues around how you handle the material but most importantly is environmental um, you don't have the, the challenges of then having to dispose and create more of a problem for one day in the future and so these low levels does that what makes it so attractive to the american research programs that you've been invited to take part in definitely and you know this is the the piece which uh, yeah it, it sort of warms my heart on this because Process in refining rare earths yeah, is not new. Um, there's you know, at the moment 85% of the processing is done yeah, in, you know, for example, in China. And but the processing technologies that are being used create environmental challenges and issues because they have you know, yeah, having to dispose of some of these radioactive materials. Now, the the thing what the researchers are very keen about our ore is it. Uh, it, it is clean in terms of these radioactive materials. Um, and what these research bodies are looking at is new and clean and green processing technologies using bacteria and uh, yeah, other methods to try to separate out this rare earths. And so, yeah, simply put, the bacteria or the bugs are not, yeah, not killed by... Uh, by the what sort of bugs are they? What are they? Well, it's it's a protein and uh, the you know, technical term they call it is landmodulin. Um, and uh, there's a lot of research that's been currently done through uh, Lawrence Livermore Institute, Penn State, and some other research bodies in the United States. And and, and we're very fortunate because we are uh, you know, partnering you know, with these organisations where they're using our ore and you know, with the yeah, the industry partner working with them. Um, so, but the bacteria, um, it, it's not new in mining. It is used mm, in some okay. other areas of mining. Um, but yeah, in simple terms, the bacteria latches on to certain rare earth elements and they change the, uh, yeah, essentially the pH level of vessels. And then these bacteria let go or, yeah, of they let go of the rare earth elements. And so in simple terms, it's it's a way of separating out but using natural means versus having to use chemicals. And, and that's what is, is very exciting because you're using essentially bacteria and protein that is yeah, abundant and can be grown and can be yeah, it, it doesn't require chemicals and it doesn't create an environmental challenge in the future. So And that's what's pretty neat about it, quite honestly, Justin. 
So your assets also include a mineral called scandium, which is often included in the wider rare earths family. So what is scandium used for and what are its key growth areas? Okay, well, scandium is, uh, look, it's, it is very rare, um, but it's, it's generally been used yeah, as a, uh, an alloy to support aluminium and to increase strength and weldability for, uh, for aluminium. Um, but also, uh, yeah, other folks you know, in the longer term yeah, are also looking at it being part of uh, yeah, particularly yeah, supporting the aerospace industry. And uh, it's, yeah, it's also being used as a super alloy for uh, some of the electric vehicles. And because, as you know, for these battery-operated vehicles, the lighter you can have the vehicles and more strength, um, the more distance they can cover. So uh, it's been looked at in that perspective. And also in uh, solid oxide fuel cells. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it's got a big future and it's, it's very hard to find and there's not a lot of it around. So the, uh, the price of scandium, for example, I was looking yesterday and I think it's like 877 dollars a kilogram so yeah that's yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's a lot so um and what we've got at uh, the La Paz project in uh, in Arizona is we've got over four million tons of this stuff in the ground so uh, that's you just, you've just got to get it out exactly can you get it out of the ground and can you get it out economically hmm. uh, but but now look scandium is and using that and, and and the other pieces and we probably should have touched on this too justin but the rare earths we're going at primarily after a neodymium prosodymium which are magnetic rare earths so again back to the electric vehicle industry or anything that requires motion um they need what's called these magnetic you know rare earths and so for every electric vehicle you need to be able to drive an engine you need to create motion and that engine is actually you know, uses you know, these magnetic rare earths. So for every electric vehicle, we hear so much about lithium and we need lithium, but you need these other rare earths to actually drive and create the motion for whether it's a electric vehicle or whether it's a, a drone or whether it's your even headphones that we're using today, they use neodymium prosodymium. So what about your other exploration efforts? Are you on the lookout for any new projects to add to your portfolio? Definitely. Um, we've got a, a great team on the ground of uh, you know, geologists and exploration folks based in the US. Um, we've got an office uh, yeah, for our technical team there in uh, yeah, Laramie in Wyoming. And so we're looking right up through uh, this you know, Midwest belt from Wyoming through Idaho, yeah, through Montana, and we're even looking down through uh, yeah, Arizona as well and New Mexico and the United States. Um, look, I'm, I'm a firm believer there's uh, other major rare earth projects out there and other yeah, critical materials and minerals that uh, yeah, are available. And American Rare Earths, by our namesake, we, uh, we're establishing and setting ourselves up as an American business. Um, we're located in America. We've got an American team. And yeah, I believe there's more rare earth projects and we want to have the largest yeah, portfolio of yeah, and major portfolio of rare earths in the United States. So yeah, that, that's what we're doing. We've got, yeah, we're off to a great start and uh, 
Yeah. Watch this space. There'll be more coming from this, <laughs> this space here, Justin. You've mentioned plans to list on the US markets and move operations over there to the US. Why have you made that decision? And for Australian investors in ARR, what will that mean for them? Look, it, it's been our uh, long-term goal to uh, really transition towards that. And that was you know, one of the primary reasons yeah, I joined um, because of my US background. Um but no, look, this, this is great news for the Australian investor um, because uh, we uh, are establishing ourselves in this industry and the rare earth space. The United States economy is the largest economy in the world. Yep, no question. And one of their largest problems right now is how do they source these rare earth elements to uh, meet their future demand? As I said before, 85 plus percent of this, you know, these rare earths are produced offshore in China. Um, and you know, there's only one operating mine in the United States. They are actively seeking to uh, onshore these critical materials from a national security and from a supply chain perspective. And so for you know, the United States, you know, this, this unique, what I call push and pull. So you've got the pull from the, the market really requiring from, you know, these, you know, from a supply chain perspective. And then you've got the push from the government um, from a national security and also a, essentially a, an economic a war, essentially, um, to ensure that these materials are onshored. And so for us, we've got these major projects there. Um, it, it makes sense to, yeah, and we've got a great story that the US investors want to be part of. And you know, I've spent a lot of time in the United States and the, the investors are uh, yeah, wanting to be able to trade our stock and uh, trade that on, you know, yeah, currently, well, currently listed on the OTC markets. We're uplisting to the OTCQX so people can yeah, easily trade using what's called American Depository Receipts. And we've also indicated that we are uh, making application a list on the NASDAQ, which is a primary exchange in the United States. And again, this is so uh, more investors and more people that want to be part of this story can invest and uh, yeah, and more institutions as well that are US-based. And what that will mean will be, yeah, obviously our share price will uh, go the right direction and uh, more people will be part of this story. And that's great news for the Australian investor. Well, Chris, we wish you well. Chris Gibbs, MD and CEO of American Rare Earths. Thank you very much for your time today and best of luck in the years ahead. Hey, thank you very much and uh, appreciate it.